So today we will take a look at the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15. Matthew, chapter 15. So go ahead and open your Bibles or phone apps up there. As we continue to study through Matthew, we are seeing that the work of the Messiah, the the Lord Jesus Christ, it continues on. He continues to show His mighty works, His love, His compassion. And He also had to continually endure harassment. Harassment from religious hypocrites of His day that seemed to fight Him around every corner and to pester Him. Uh, We'll see as we read here, as we begin to read in verse 1, that these religious hypocrites will attempt to challenge him in the work of God that he is doing on the earth. It was a constant fight, it seemed, for Jesus to put up with this as he was was here to accomplish the will of God, to seek and to save the lost, to bring the gospel to the kingdom of God here on this earth. So as we jump on into verse 1, you'll see what I'm talking about here. It says, Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Now notice, these are the religious people of that day. Notice they're not defending God or the Word of God. They're talking about tradition, the tradition of the elders. Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Now, not unlike today's religions of all sorts, you know, have had and still do have their traditions, right, that are passed on from generation to generation. Religions today have those traditions as well. These are things that you don't find in the Word of God, though. But religions make them a part of what they do, and to them they become elevated up almost to the same status as the Word of God, their religious traditions. This, of course, is a dangerous thing that we need to be careful of as well, being sure that we don't mix up the traditions of religion with the truth of the Word of God. There is a very big distinction. With these Jewish scribes and Pharisees here, one of their traditions was a very, very ritualistic hand-washing ceremony that they undertook. That was part of their religious tradition. Now, in fairness to these scribes and Pharisees here, the idea of cleanliness goes back to the Old Testament law. For example, it was written in the law that if a man touched a dead body, for example, that he was not fit to worship God. He had to go through a ceremony, a cleansing ceremony after that, right? Before approaching God in worship, that man would have to do that ritual, Okay? But the religious elders took it even far and added, even farther, I should say, and added traditions of their own to the law. For example, 
they added with their traditions that before a person ate food, they had to ceremonially go through a ritual that required that they not only wash their hands, but they had to be sure to scrub themselves clear on up to their elbows, right? If a man had gone to the marketplace, he would have to have taken a complete ceremonial bath. These are the traditions they added. And again, all of these things made up traditions and and were lifted up to be equally as important as the Word of God, right? And in fact, the way that they lived, it was as if their tradition was even more important than the Word of God. And think about what they're doing here in this situation. Jesus is here doing the will of God, loving people, healing people, bringing people to salvation, pointing people to salvation, right? And here, these people of God, so to speak, are confronting Him about something like their disciples, His disciples not washing their hands. How much did they really care about the will of God? They cared about their tradition. And unfortunately today, many religions still do the same things. They elevate their traditions, the tradition of their religion, above the Word of God. And Jesus knew that they were hypocrites. As God in the flesh, He knew their hearts better than they knew themselves. And in verse 3, it says, He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. So Jesus is pointing out their hypocrisy here, right? You see, the scribes and the Pharisees did not want to spend their money on supporting their aging parents. So they came up with their own tradition where when their father or mother would ask them for help, they would say, any money which I have and which could be used to support you has been dedicated to God. Sorry, I don't have it. I've dedicated that money to God. I don't have it. Sorry, mom. Sorry, dad. You know, you understand, don't you? I have to give it to God, don't I? Right? So by Following and elevating their tradition, they voided the Word of God. They should have been doing that, right? And this is what Jesus is pointing out to them here. He's showing them their hypocrisy. You see, Jesus and His disciples were all about, again, they were about the work of God. They were fulfilling the commandments of God in their everyday life and going around and actually doing the work of God in the world around them. They were doing something. But religion was stepping up to be a hindrance. Verse 7, Jesus goes on. Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You know, this same kind of thing exists today as well. People teaching as doctrine, like it's doctrine, 
the commandments of men. Okay? There are churches that fill up Sunday after Sunday with people that sing songs and lift their hands and say, praise the Lord. And then they go right back out Monday through Saturday, living in selfishness, committing fornication, adultery, drunkenness, using foul language, and then talking about how they're saved by grace. Some doctrine of men that they made up or that they elaborated on, right? The doctrine of grace, of course, is a doctrine found in the Word of God, but the way it's taught today where people go into church and, and act one way at church and then go out and are not really living in accordance with the commandments of God the rest of the week. So this same kind of thing exists today, right? The only problem is that the grace that they're speaking of, that kind of grace when they say they're saved by grace, it's not the grace that's taught in the Bible. It's been made up by a doctrine of their church, their religion, their denomination, or in many cases, their non-denomination, right? But, it, but their doctrine you know, watering it down like that makes it easier for them to follow than actually keeping the Word of God and doing what the Word of God actually says. It's easier if you can twist it a little bit and come up with your own doctrine, your own religion, your own way, and then say, well, we're following this. This is who we are. This is what we do, right? All right. So if this is us, then we're hypocrites, today, if this is you, if you're living in that way that I just described, then you're one of the hypocrites that Jesus is talking about here. I'd be one of the hypocrites if I see the Word of God, see what it says, but kind of do what I want to do and then say, oh, I'm okay, whatever, when I'm not really following the Word of God. This is what these Pharisees and these scribes were like. Okay. When verse 10 says, when he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Let's pause right there for a moment because I want, to, uh, I want you to turn back a page or two in your Bibles here and look at Matthew chapter 12. So real close to where we are here, just maybe a page or two back. Matthew chapter 12. And before we read Matthew chapter 12, I'm just going to read to you again what Jesus said in chapter 15, where we just read. He said, hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Then here in Matthew 12 and looking down in verse 33, so Matthew 12, 33, we see that Jesus says this. He says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you be an evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, Jesus says. You see, here again, Jesus is having to deal with these religious hypocrites, right? The Pharisees. And he's making it clear to them that there's no mistaking a bad, a bad tree, and we need to understand that today as well. There's no mistaking a bad tree, right? And there's no mistaking a bad person, a person that's walking in sin. The fruit of the tree reveals whether the tree is good or not good. And the actions of a person reveal whether they are good 
are not good. Right? He again, here again, right? We have Jesus and his disciples preaching righteousness. Again, they're performing miracles, doing good, and they're constantly being attacked by those that have their own religious traditions that they don't want to let go of. Not even for the word of God. Not even for what they see plainly in the word of God will they let go of their traditions, right? In verse 35, Jesus continues, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. You see, the heart of the matter is that it's the heart that matters. Let me say that again. The heart of the matter is it is the heart that matters. You can go to church on Sunday. You can act the part. You can look the part. But what's in your heart? That's what matters. Proverbs 4 and verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Proverbs 10, 11 says, The mouth of the righteous is a well of life. A well of life. That's what's coming out of a person's heart. Jesus said, From the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Should be a well of life. Good things, right? Proverbs 21.2 says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. So we must always be mindful that it is the heart where the Lord is really seeing us. We can fool other people, right? We can fool churchgoers uh, as to our true condition, but we can't fool the Lord. He's looking at your heart. He's looking at my heart. Turning back now to chapter 15 of Matthew. Picking it up in verse 12, it continues and says, Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? You see, the disciples were a little worried here, right? They all grew up thinking that these scribes and these Pharisees were religious leaders that were to be respected right? Men of the cloth, so to speak, like, and, and we got to respect them no matter, no matter how dirty they are, right? But keep in mind, Jesus is God in the flesh, and he knew the dirty hearts of these men. So he dealt with them from the perspective of truth and not from an outward appearance. His disciples are still learning all of this, and they will learn all of this over time. As you continue to read through the Bible, you'll see that they'll get all these same confrontations from the, the scribes and the Pharisees and such as well, and, and they'll begin to see how dirty these people really are, these religious leaders. Verse 13, But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Then Peter answered and said to him, explain this parable to us. So Jesus said, are you still without understanding? 
Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. Remember what Jesus is referring back here to. They were eating with unwashed hands. So it was like they were going to defile themselves through what they were eating because their hands were dirty. Right? But Jesus is saying, do you not, verse 17 again, do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Right Here again, I know this is repetitious, but Jesus is getting to the heart of the matter. Those religious leaders, as Jesus called them, were blind leaders of the blind. Today, we still have traditional religious leaders that people follow that are filthy sinners behind the scenes, doing vile things. Their hearts are dirty. And it's not just religious leaders either. There are professing, professing Christians that are claiming to be children of God, but are still living in willful sin, practicing lawlessness rather than making a practice of righteousness. You see, folks, as we read the word of God, as we study it like this, it can also often hit straight to the heart. That's the power. That's the two-edged sword of the word of God, the living word of God. It hits you right where you are. But what do we do? Do we ignore and continue to lean on our traditions or do we take it to heart and examine ourselves as to whether we're in the faith or not? Jesus preached inward righteousness and he was hated and he he was killed for doing so. But the word of God still remains, doesn't it? It still says what it says and it can't be changed. But the traditions and the distorted teachings of men can make for a very different way of life, a way that is easier to follow. But we are not called to traditions. We're not called to religion. We are called to be transformed, to be born again, to be filled with the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit of God. You know, I'd really love to just stop this teaching right here because this message needs to stick with us. And I hope it does. But let's go ahead and continue to work our way through the rest of this chapter. Verse 21, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came of that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away. For she cries out after us. So here we see a Gentile woman, right? That is a a non-Jewish person, a a woman that was non-Jewish. She was a Gentile. She's relentlessly approaching Jesus and his disciples here for help. She knows in her heart that Jesus is the Messiah. That's why she calls him the son of David. But at this time, Jesus was focused on taking the gospel to the Israelites. And that is what he had 
focused his disciples on as well at this point in time. This was the purpose for which he had came. Later, we know that it was all a part of his plan that the gospel would go into every nation of people and that all would have the opportunity to be saved, everyone. But Jesus had a different focus while here on the earth at this time. Verse 24, but he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Right. So later, like I said, his disciples would take the gospel into all the world to every nation. Right. But then she came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. You see, the persistence of this woman is a great example to us today of faith. Persevering, pressing on, seeking the Lord with all of our hearts. This woman, in her great love for her daughter, was relentless in seeking the Lord for help. Faith requires persistence. Again, if you continue to read through the Bible, you'll find that the Lord is Lord of all, not just of the Jews, but in his timing, he did the things that he did. And as we read Matthew here, we're seeing that all the works and all the plans that Jesus had to reach his own people of the flesh, the Jews, that's what he's accomplishing right now as we read this part in Matthew. Like I said, but ultimately, his love would and does extend to all the world. And the scriptures reveal that to us as well, if you continue to read through the Bible. Verse 29, Jesus departed from there, skirted the Sea of Galilee, and went up on the mountains and sat down there. Then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others, and they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Now Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude, because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat, and I do not want to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. Then his disciples said to him, where could we get enough bread in the wilderness to fill such a great multitude? Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven and a few little fish. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground and he took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks, broke them and gave them to his disciples and his disciples gave them to the multitude. So they all ate and were filled and they took up seven large baskets full of fragments that were left. And those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. And he sent away the multitude, got into the boat and came to the region of Magdala. So once again, we continue to see the compassion and the love of Jesus. That's what we're seeing here. Okay, This is the second time that he fed thousands of people only having very little food. We see here again that the disciples were limited, weren't they? The disciples were limited with what they could do, but the Lord has no limit with what he can do.
but he used what the disciples had. He expected his disciples to do what they could do, and then he stepped in and did what they could not do. And that's important for us to understand this as well. The Lord is compassionate. The Lord is all-powerful, all-knowing. But as his disciples, there are things that he expects us to do. There's things that he expects us to bring to the table. There's things that he has blessed us with that we have, that we are able to use in the kingdom of God. But he wants us to step forward and to do it. And then that which we cannot do, he will do. But he wants us to do what we can do. Okay? We need to persist in faith as we see with that woman, right? We need to continue to press on to fight against the sin of this world in our hearts and the sin that's in this world. We need to fight against it. We don't give in to it. We don't say, oh, you know, it's okay if I do this. You know, the Lord's okay with it. And we don't see that in the scriptures, okay? We need to take the time, as I said earlier, to examine our hearts, to see what we really are in our hearts. Again, we may be fooling people on the outside, but the Lord's looking at our hearts and he knows truly who we are. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 tells us that. It says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. It says, test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. So you can be disqualified, right? If you're not living right, if you're not walking in the way the Lord commands us into in his word we can't take our traditions our religions our interpretations of things and say oh i'm okay that's that's not what the scripture calls us to nowhere does it show us that nowhere that's not what grace teaches grace teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts grace teaches us to to live soberly and righteously that's what grace teaches. So if you're saved by grace, you're saying, I'm living soberly, I'm living righteously, I'm, de- I'm denying worldly lust. When? Right now in this present age, Titus 2, 11 and 12. I so often quote it because it's an important message for today and where we see the church today, right? So what kind of tree are we, right? It's easy to tell by the kind of fruit that's being produced in our lives. Are we keeping the commandments of Jesus and the written instructions of his apostles? Are we doing what it says to do? Are we living the word of God or are we living by our own traditions, again, that are easier to follow than the word of God is? In the end, there will be a judgment. Those that practice lawlessness, anyone that practice lawlessness, will be cast away from the Lord. And those that make a practice of righteousness will ever be with the Lord. The fruit of our lives really does matter. The type of tree we really are really matters, a good tree or a bad tree, right? Jesus will hold us accountable for every idle word spoken, he said. So we'll stop here for today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, again, we thank you for your word that, again, it's living, it's powerful, it cuts, it hits us right where we are, Lord. But it's unchanging, and it's, it's meaning, it's interpretation, it's unchanging, it's, it's plain as day. Lord, and so many times through the traditions of men, 
through religions, through, again, denominations and non-denominations alike. We come up with ideas, and we come up with ways to water down the truth of your word, Lord. But the truth of your word remains the same, no matter how much water we try to water down or how weak we try to make it, Lord. So I pray, God, again, that by your spirit you will have your will. You have your way, your will to be done in our lives, that is, God. I pray that you pour out your spirit upon all of us here. And again, for those that are listening, those that are watching this teaching, those that are hearing this, Lord, that they would take to heart the truth of your word and that we would surrender and commit our lives wholly to you. We thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.